Well, as we turn our attention to God's Word this morning, uh, if, you, if this is your first week of Advent here with us at Community Church, we change up the way we approach God's Word. Instead of preaching expository sermons, uh, we tell stories. And we do so in part because it's a fun time of year. But more than that, stories have been used for thousands of generations as ways for truth to sneak in the back door. And it is our hope and our prayer that as we tell stories, that you would adopt a posture of openness, that you would be looking for ways that you see your own life and your own story reflected in the story that is being spoken from the front, and that through it all, you might actually meet with Jesus in a new way. Uh, Last week, we started our Advent teaching series, The Questions of Advent, by imagining Mary's life as she asked the first of our big questions, how will this be? How can this be? We saw that our God is a God of the impossible, whether it's a virgin being with child, or a Savior who would rise from the dead, or a Lord who will return one day, or a God who will walk with us through the impossibilities we face in our lives each day. This Advent, when Mary asks, how can this be? We answer, We serve a God who does the impossible, for nothing is impossible with God. This week's question is a little harder. This week we're going to focus our attention on Joseph, and there is an implied question that's on his heart as he takes center stage in the birth narratives. And that question is this, how much will this cost me? Now, don't mistake this for a question about money. What we need to remember about these accounts that we read, like the account we'll read today about Joseph, is these are not just quaint fables written to amuse and inspire. Joseph was a real person. He lived a real life in history. And as a real person, when Jesus came into his life, it precipitated a crisis. I mean, Jesus changes everything, which means it can indeed be very costly to welcome Jesus into your life, to follow Him. And I think there's a place where we can identify with Joseph Joseph and this crisis of Christmas. Even as we look at our world, we have to recognize Jesus is not just a nice add-on to an otherwise splendid life. He's not icing on the cake, a pretty decoration but often too sweet, so he's left on the side of the plate when we've had our fill. But rather, when Jesus is welcomed into your life, he reorients your entire life around his beauty and around his grace, and yes, even around his lordship. And reorienting your life around Jesus like this is very rarely easy or comfortable or without cost. But it's true. And it's good. So how much will this cost me? Will I really give my life to follow Jesus? Jesus might cost you everything. But isn't that what He's given us? He's given everything for us. His very life laid down for us. He gave His life so that He might take our lives. And turn them completely upside down. 
And even though the cost can be high, life with Jesus is worth it. At least, that's what Joseph thought. Eventually. Chapter 1, a reading from Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Mary is with child. As Joseph spoke those four words, the carpenter's shop went from a place of sound and activity and was slammed into a stunned silence, like running full speed into a stone wall. Joseph and his brother Cleopas ran the shop together since their father had passed away. You dog, Cleopas replied. What are you thinking? You couldn't even wait for the wedding? Does this mean you're moving up the wedding day? Don't worry, I won't tell anyone, but what are you doing? The two builders had been busy in recent weeks. A number of orders had come in for everything from dressed cypress beams for new homes in Sephoris to the double yoke they were working on together so that two donkeys could be attached to a plow side by side and so that together they could pull it through the rocky soils of Galilee. Yokes are not complicated pieces of equipment, but the brothers had an attention to detail and an artistry that made their work among some of the best in the area, and people sought them out. The stunned silence of Joseph's announcement faded away as Cleopas started up with his block plane again, shaping and smoothing the main cross member of the yoke. The sound of the plane on wood was almost like a sigh, a whisper across the wood as Joseph attempted to share his distress with his brother. So it's not like that, Joseph continued. I would never. He let the implications of his denial sit in the air for a brief moment. Cleopas, I... I'm not the father. The block plane slipped out of Cleopas's hands at that, flying across the room, clattering against the stone wall before landing on the dirt floor. Wait, what? What do, you, what do you mean you're not the father? This is Mary we're talking about here. She's just a young girl, but she comes from a good family, an honorable family. What, what do you mean you're not the father? All Joseph could do was look at the ground. That little... Cleopas's confusion turned quickly into anger. How, how could she do this to you? How could her father have let something like this happen? How could she do this to us? Joseph continued to just look at the ground. Cleopas continued, this, Joseph, this is, a big, this is like one of the big three sins, right? There's idolatry, there's murder, and there's adultery. Like She was engaged to you, man. She was your wife. A curse be on her and her whole family. May this child be excluded from the assembly, even to the tenth generation. Oh, Joseph, there's only one thing to do here. You know this, right? You've got to go public. Joseph's head snapped up. What are you talking about? His brother's anger had not diminished even a little. You have to go public. You have to make a formal public accusation against her. You have to shame her and ensure that she is subjected to public disgrace, her and her whole family, because you have to distance yourself from this whole situation. You can't afford to allow your righteousness to be tainted by her bad decisions. 
Cleopas picked up the large yoke the brothers had been working on. You see this yoke, brother? He held the large crossbeam into the air. On each end was an inverted V that would rest over the necks of each donkey. If you yoke yourself together with this girl, then she's going to drag you away with her. You, you live an honorable life before the Lord. She obviously has other plans. Don't you see that you have to call off this engagement? You need to break the yoke. And he tossed the beam down onto the bench. Joseph just looked at the floor. But he wasn't avoiding the conversation. He wasn't having a hard time making eye contact. He was just waiting for Cleopas to notice the real issue. Cleopas's eyes suddenly snapped fully open and his head shot up with a new thought. Wait, 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 wait. Whose child is it then? We need to get a group of guys together and we need to pay this fellow a visit. Joseph finally looked up at his brother. So, about that. Your plan there might be a little harder than you think. So, Mary... Okay, how do I put this? Okay, so she claims that a messenger from the Lord visited her and the child is from the Holy Spirit. The child doesn't have an earthly father. He's from the Lord. Cleopas just stared. Joseph, now that he got into the real issue, continued just to get it out there. She's saying that this messenger told her that she's going to bring the long-awaited Messiah into the world. And Cleopas rarely was at a loss for words, but in this moment he just stammered and stuttered as he tried to process what he was hearing. But just, I mean, Mary, that's crazy! Brother, you have to get as far away from this as you can. You have to distance yourself from her. I know, you're right, Joseph admitted. No, Joseph, you have to do more than distance yourself. You have to be the one to discredit her too. You have to shame her. You have to publicly expose what she's done to save your own reputation. Your life hangs in the balance here, Joseph. But Joseph did not like the sound of his brother's admonitions. Cleopas, you should have heard her. It sounds crazy, but she didn't. I mean, she knew how she sounded. And in spite of that, she was so earnest. She was so humble. She just wanted so badly for me to believe her. She knows she's claiming the impossible. But she went on to tell me that we serve a God who does impossible things and that nothing's impossible for God. You should have heard her pleading with me to believe her. And you know in that moment, I wanted to. Look, I can't marry her, Cleopas. I know that. But I don't want to destroy her or ruin her life any more than it's already been ruined. Maybe it's because I'm a builder, Joseph continued. I build things. I create things. I fix things. I don't want to break things. I don't want to destroy. He paused, making clear and direct eye contact with his brother. I will not go through with this marriage, but I will not expose her to public disgrace either. I'll arrange to do it quietly, and then this whole thing will go away. No one will ever remember the names Mary and Joseph were ever supposed to be together. Give it a few years. No one will ever even remember we were pledged to be married. (laughs) That's not good enough, brother, Cleopas sighed. Joseph wasn't seeing the big picture, apparently. He wasn't seeing the larger implications of what Mary had done and how that's going to affect every area of his life. Tell you what, Cleopas continued. Look, I'm done for the day. I need some fresh air. I'm going home. As for you, Cleopas said, sleep on it. 
See what a good night's sleep does for you, and we'll talk tomorrow. I'm sure you'll change your mind. You'll see that I'm right, and we'll go from there. Just, just sleep on it. Chapter 2. Reading from Matthew 1, 19 through 21, we find these words. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph bolted out of bed, suddenly and completely wide awake as though someone had just doused him in ice-cold water. He lunged backward off his sleeping mat, tumbling back against the far wall, crouching in a defensive posture, hands raised, his entire body reacting, trying to get away from where he had been. The messenger? But there was no one there. Had he been dreaming? But that dream had been so real. The messenger had been so real. He'd been standing like right there in Joseph's room so he could have reached out and touched him if he hadn't been so terrified. Joseph stood up, taking a few deep breaths, intentionally attempting to calm his nerves, and he walked over to where the the messenger had been standing in his dream. There'd been light and, and power. He'd been right there in front of him and yet speaking as though from a great distance. Breathing deeply, he closed his eyes and allowed his heart to return to its normal rhythm. Dreams can be powerful, and he knew that God can sometimes even speak through dreams. But if this dream was from the Lord, if this messenger was from God, then the entire world was about to be turned upside down, starting with his own. His mind was racing with the implications of the messenger's pronouncement, with his, with his instructions, even his command. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. What did all this mean? It was like three thoughts immediately went through his mind so fast he had to go back over them more slowly just to make sure he understood what he was thinking. First, that meant Mary was telling the truth. That was literally the first thought that entered his mind once his mind started working again. And the reality dropped on him like like a joy-filled ton of rough-cut stone. That beautiful, precious girl had been telling the truth the whole time, and he was to take her home as his wife. They would make a life together, and he didn't have to destroy her life to save his own. But secondly, there, there was this child. His name would be Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. Joseph wondered at that. I mean, there's always talk and rumors of the Messiah that's to come, But most people saw the Romans as the immediate threat. The Messiah would come, he'd set them free from the Romans. That's the plan. But even as Joseph was considering this potential incongruity with his expectations of who the Messiah would be, he heard the words of the angel in his mind and realized there's an even bigger problem in the world. Whether it's bondage in Egypt or exile in Babylon, God's people always had a bigger problem, and that problem is their own sin. 
God's people constantly turn away from the Lord and choose their own way instead of choosing life with Him. Over and over again throughout all of their history, God's people rejected the giver of life, leaving them with nothing but death. Sin is that which separates people from God. And this child, this Jesus, wasn't here for a mere temporary solution like freeing God's people from the Romans. No, Joseph realized, that's thinking too small. Once freed, God's people would just fall back into their own ways, ignoring the Lord and living apart from Him all over again. The problem isn't Rome. The problem is sin. And Jesus was coming to save God's people from their sins. So that once and for all, as it says over and over in the Scriptures, He will be our God and we will be His people. Which led to the third and sort of final thought that brought Joseph to his knees right there in the dirt of his main room. Right where he remembered the messenger standing in his dream. God was asking him, Joseph, to be a part of what he's about to do in the world. The Lord was asking him, Joseph, to be the father of the Messiah. Who am I, Joseph thought, to become the father of the anointed one from God who will save God's people from their sins? I'm just a builder. I'm just a carpenter. I own a little shop with my brother. I build things. I fix carts. I fashion yokes for donkeys. Yet God sees me and knows me and has invited me into life with him. Oh, he needed to tell his brother. Cleopas, he thought, it's all your fault. You're the one who told me to sleep on it. (laughs) Chapter 3, Matthew 1, verses 22 and 23 say this, And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with. Cleopas, open the door! You're the one who told me to sleep on it. Wake up! You won't believe what happened. Joseph was banging incessantly on the poorly crafted door to his brother's house. Builders' own homes are always in disrepair. The door seemed about to come off its setting under Joseph's abuse. Knock that racket off, came a slurred voice from within. Is it even the fourth watch yet? What are you doing, Joseph? Joseph stopped banging and waited until Cleopas opened the door. And when he did, Joseph barged in, taking his brother by the shoulders. Mary was telling the truth. This is all from the Lord. The words exploded out of him as though propelled outward from the growing pressure of being held in for too long. Slow down, slow down. And stop yelling. Oh my word, my head hurts. What's this crazy you're talking? Cleopas was slowly coming to consciousness. What are you saying? I'm saying Mary was telling the truth. The child is from the Lord. Joseph, Cleopas interrupted, we've covered this. What has changed? Well, Joseph said, I had a dream. Seriously? Cleopas glared at him. You had a dream. Go back to bed, brother. And he took his brother by the shoulders, forcibly turned him around, and shoved him back towards the door. And go back to bed at your own house. And he gave him a shove. Leave me alone. No, you're not getting it, Cleopas. Joseph spun back around to face his brother. The Lord spoke to me. And he confirmed Mary's story. He instructed me to take her home as my wife. And the child, the child, his name will be Jesus. 
You were right, Cleopas. You told me to sleep on it, so I slept on it. You told me I would change my mind. I have changed my mind. I'm taking Mary as my wife. And together, we're going to be a part of God's great story to rescue and redeem His people. Cleopas was now wide awake. Listen to yourself, brother. You're out of your mind. There's no way you can do this. This is going to cost you everything. But Joseph was quick to counter it. But, but it's worth it. Cleopas didn't buy it. Will it be worth it? Will it? I mean, what kind of life are you going to have? Always wondering, always second-guessing if what you heard was really from the Lord. Always wondering, always second-guessing if Mary had been telling the truth. What kind of life will you have as your reputation here in town is ruined? As people whisper at your passing, making comments about your wife? And the question of the legitimacy of the child, that question will last your entire life and his. Even just think about the business for the love of the one true God, Joseph. We'll be done for. We'll be finished. People won't be coming to us for their yokes or their beams, not to fix their carts or to build their homes. They'll whisper behind our backs as our business dries up and we'll be done for. You think you want to follow the Lord here, Joseph. You're an honorable man and I know you love the Lord, but this, this decision that this is crazy. This is going to cost you everything. Joseph was nodding the whole time Cleopas was speaking. Actually agreeing with his brother and everything that was being said. You think I haven't thought this through? But this is kind of the point, Cleopas. I've been approaching it from the completely wrong perspective. I was afraid. I've been afraid to lose everything. I've been afraid that because, because everything that I might have, everything that I might value, everything that I hold dear, I might be lost by making this decision. So I was approaching it by, through this lens of living in fear. I was being guarded. I was protecting myself. Cleopas interrupted. You've been protecting me too. We're brothers. We're business partners. We are yoked, you and I. You have to think of how this will affect me too. I love you, brother, but this will ruin my life, not just yours. Now Joseph paused. He had to consider this. He did not want to dismiss his brother's concerns lightly. So he tried a different approach. Cleopas, think of it this way. What if this is the Lord speaking? Assume that Mary is telling the truth. And if the Messiah is come, then how could I ever live with myself having turned my back on the offer of that kind of life with God? Brother, how could we ever live with ourselves knowing that we traded life with God for a few more yoke orders? I can see myself old and wrinkled and weary having had a successful business, a good life, a life fully lived, but looking back wondering what might have been if I'd just been willing to follow the Lord, what might I have witnessed? What might I have seen? What might life with God have been like? I'd be on my deathbed just wishing for the chance to go back and to make this decision differently. To make the decision to follow the Lord. Joseph crossed the room back over to where his brother was standing and enfolded him in a giant bear hug. He held him tightly for a few moments and then pulled back and held him at arm's length. I don't know whether you can understand, but I know the Messiah is coming. I know his name will be Jesus. 
I know He will save us from our sins and from our self-centeredness and from our rejection of the Lord and from our fear. And He was so earnest, so sincere, so full of faith. Cleopas almost wanted to believe, but he couldn't. If you welcome this Jesus into your life, Joseph, He's not going to save you. He's going to cost you. Don't throw your life away, brother. This is going to cost you everything. This is going to cost you your livelihood. It's going to cost you your business. It's going to cost you your relationships. It's going to cost you your brother. Joseph was heartbroken. And for a moment he wavered. But then he simply said to his brother, Cleopas, I love you. I always will. But I cannot live in fear of what might be. And I am no longer afraid to take Mary home as my wife. Someday I pray you'll understand. All I can do is follow the Lord as the Lord has spoken to me. And I can pray and hope that you'll get there in your time when you're ready and when the Lord calls. I can pray that on the far side of all this, the Lord will show you His truth. That He'll explain things so that everything will finally make sense to you. So much so that your heart will burn within you as you realize everything God is doing in the world. Especially through this baby. Through this Jesus who will be born to save us all. I can't follow you where you're going, Joseph. Cleopas was dead serious. I'm not kidding. I don't want you to follow me, Cleopas. Follow the Lord. And if you do, as you're following Him, you'll look beside you and I'll be right there. That's where I will always be. And with that, Joseph turned and walked out of his brother's house, closing the rickety door behind him. And on the other side of the door, he paused, took a deep breath, then prayed, Lord, let him see you. Until then, give me courage and strength to follow you myself. And he started to walk home. Mary isn't going to believe this, he mused. Then he realized, actually Mary is probably the only one who will believe this. (laughs) And putting one foot in front of the other, Joseph walked out into the great adventure of life with God.